Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Setting the Scene. My name is Michael. Today, we are joined by Zakia. This is um, an episode where we're going to where we're going to be going through Zakia's experiences during the pandemic. Um, in her case, what really is the highlight of today's episode is how she was able to go through so many experiences and activities even during the midst of the pandemic. Um, I know that a lot of those listening in might have had struggles and uh, hurdles that just came along with the pandemic, just like it has been for everyone else. But Zakia has used this time to really make use of it and um, take it to her advantage and grow uh, with, with her experience, activities, et cetera. All of this as a high schooler, which makes it even that much more unique. Um, I don't want to take up much more of an introduction from her. I don't want to steal her thunder. So um, for those listening in, Zakia, can you just give yourself a quick introduction of the activities you got yourself involved in, um, a little of the networking that was, uh, that was um, at play during that time, and then from there we can discuss a little more about the specifics, but just a quick introduction for those listening in. Well, hi, I'm a grade 11 IB's high school student at Carnaby Secondary School in Ottawa, Canada. Sounds good. So one of the activities you had was being a writer and designer for Hands on Health, which is a magazine. Um, maybe to get a better sense of what were things like as a writer and designer, what were some topics that you would typically write about just on a broad scale? Well, the magazine's objective is to inform the community and keep them up to date on medicine and technology related topics. So some topics I have written about is the relationship between the decline in premature births and the COVID pandemic. And currently I hope to continue to explore more interesting topics. And I am writing an article about the dangers of alcohol consumption, especially for students. Definitely, definitely a rele relevant topic these days. Also, I think we should maybe quickly note this. You mentioned that you're an IB student. Um, there are a few IB students out there also in America. I know that you're in uh, Canada. Um, so there might be a few differences here and there. But just with the, the general work ethic education you've taken away from the IB program, do you think it has contributed to your determination, motivation, or just the networking you've been able to connect with these activities and experiences you've had over the, the time of the pandemic? I think IB has definitely impacted my motivation because it is a very rigorous curriculum, very advanced coursework and there's so much of it. So I have been really determined to try to get all of it done, really learn the topics and the information they're trying to give me and to do, to do well in all the assignments and the tests. So I try to apply that same type of motivation to my activities. Absolutely, I hear the same about the IB program. I hear how it's rigorous, um, it really gets you prepared. Um, and, and some people will make comparisons between the IB and AP program, but this is all before even college. So. Another point I'd like to focus on before we dive into more of your experiences is have you faced any hurdles, whether that be just with communication, networking, relation as a high school student, or have you found it to be more or less uh, not much of a problem um, compared to college counterparts? Uh, I feel that uh, networking as an IB student has been a little bit easier because of how many 
IB students that there are and who are all equally driven to do well in their own careers. So it's really easy to relate to these type of people who are going through the same thing I am. Absolutely. So another activity that you were involved in was the BioCreate case competition. Um, this was more of a competition-centered uh, activity, um, and, and you were involved with presenting the content with workshops, presentations, reports. So I'm sure there was a lot of learning there and also a lot of application in terms of the skills you've already had. How was that experience? Can you take us through for those who are not familiar? First of all, what is the BioCreate case competition? The BioCreate case competition was a synthetic biology-centered case for high school and undergraduate students. My primary role in this case competition was giving the high school perspective on the synthetic biology content so it could be easily understood by that specific age demographic in the presentations, reports, and the workshop. I basically monitored, monitored it all. I was active in it for um, a couple of months from half of July to all of August, and we had meetings three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Being among the senior students, it really honed my skills to take ownership and be part of a team and work productively with them. Absolutely. And you're specifically focusing on synthetic biology with that biocreative right. competition. Did that spark any interest in the, in the field? Or um, do you have a, a wider net of interests outside of synthetic biology? Uh, synthetic biology definitely got me more interested into that aspect, but I'm really, uh, I like medicine more. I like the wide range of medicine. So synthetic biology is like one area I have an interest, but I'm keeping my options open. Absolutely, and, and that's great. I mean, you're just uh, just starting off with, in high school, having all these experiences, it's not necessarily the typical case, um, but it definitely is an advantageous one. You're, you're starting up uh, and hitting the ground running um, in high school. Usually students really pack on experiences later in college. Um, sometimes that might not even be early in college. It might be in junior, senior year where students realize that these experiences, these extracurriculars really do have a lot of impact on defining interest. It's a great way um, to explore it. So maybe before also we, we dive into a little more behind the, the things that you've done, I would also like to talk about how you found your interests. Um, it seems like in general, the, the theme behind your experiences has been centered around writing. Um, you've been involved in essay competitions, which we're going to cover later, um, and maybe some advice too for those who are interested. Also, you've been involved in a lot of the sciences, um, like we mentioned, synthetic biology, you have an interest in medicine. How have these activities furthered your experience or at least your interest, I should say, um, with things like the sciences, medicine, um, writing, et cetera? Have you grown to catch on with more interests deeper into these fields or have you found a, a totally new realm of interests within them? Uh, maybe. Was it something that you just went into without a particular interest and then you just stumbled upon it? Um, how do you find these interests to start with? What sparked the innovation or the, the passion behind them? Well, I was always a big reader. When I was a kid, I loved to read. So, and then I started to write. So that started off the whole essay competitions and the stories and the poems. And as for biology, I was just out during the summer, I was reading an article about how COVID attacks our sense of smell. And it really 
it really interested me. I, I really loved how it formatted and how it described it. Basically, I wanted to do more activities that are related to biology. Yeah, that's great. Speaking of your experiences, you were also involved with the Pre-Med Scenes Journal Club um, in a leadership position, in fact. So before getting into the leadership side of things in general, what was your experience like for those who are not familiar with the Pre-Med Scene Journal Club? Um, for those who might not know, the Pre-Med Scene Journal Club is, is um, a program focused on analyzing, basically getting people oriented into research before they actually will dive in and create their own, um, create their own um, manuscripts, publications later along the road. It's just a great orientation to the general experience of research and it's a collaborative club amongst several students. So it's not just uh, an individual thing. Um, it's guided by um, uh, Christina Weira, who is the director there. But aside from that, with that quick introduction about the journal club, for those who don't know, what was your experience like with it? Uh, my experience, I had never managed a team with such diverse backgrounds before. I was the youngest and my teammates, they came from different countries and they were in the process of applying to medical school. They had already graduated university. So the age gap was like the most difficult part to tackle because of how much more experience and knowledge in the area they had than I did and I was their team leader. Absolutely. And just like you mentioned, being the team leader, um, it, it might have been a little off-putting how it, they were at totally different stages of their career, um, not even in college, but like you mentioned, they've, they're, they're on the, the journey to move past college into med school, um, grad school, etc. So being that team leader and being in, in a different position, a different stage of your career compared to the others, um, in that specific regard, how did that add on to your prior leadership experience? Um, was it something that you think will always carry on uh, moving forward with college, grad school, and, and further on even after that with your actual lifelong career um, in terms of leadership experience? Did you actually have any prior leadership experience before that? Can you take us through generally how that contributed to uh, your leadership skills? Experiencing this such a diverse group of people it was definitely a step up from working with people on a team who were always around the same age as me and we all came from the same place so it's easier to make connections it was faster and we could work together really well this was really stepping outside of my comfort zone so i really had to make some strategies and analyze the situation figure out some excuse me figure figure out how to connect with them despite the age gap mm -hmm. Definitely. What was the learning curve like, um, specifically with analyzing research papers? I know that you are a writer um, for the Hands-On Health magazine. You've been involved with several other experiences in the sciences in general, but specifically with an opportunity like this, where you are being trained um, to analyze research papers, it's really a great um, exposure to get your, getting yourself uh, a leg up in terms of the, the research game. What was the learning curve like for you? Any particular types of research that you developed an interest in? As for the learning curve, before the Pre-Med Journal Club, I had read a few articles and research papers before, but I never properly understood them because of how complex the terminology was, how it was formatted. It was really difficult. 
And to actually enter the pre-med journal club, I had to take a course this summer seminar series. It was a requirement. And it was a one hour's worth of breaking down a research paper, where to find the results, the method, how to identify the key information. And then I joined the club and basically my progress, it grew from there with every article we had to dissect and presentations we had to do. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think what's so great about your experiences is that they're crossing over, they're overlapping. So between the journal club to being a writer for um, a science or STEM centered magazine, uh, that's great overlap that you can carry over from one activity to another. So speaking about that, how did your knowledge from the journal club carry over to a position like you were with a writer for the Hands-On Health magazine? The knowledge of the journal club definitely carried over to the Hands-On Health magazine. The article topics are questions that the whole world wants to know the answer to because it's a very significant relationship. So when I started to search for the information for my articles, all the sources I used and referenced were from actual research papers in the past year. So I already knew how to dissect the information and select the most important facts and statistics and results I needed to use. So it didn't propose a major problem as it did one year earlier. Absolutely. And with research in general, there are usually three main categories that we associate with it. There's basic science, translational research, and then finally clinical research. Usually whenever we think of medicine, we're the first to think of clinical research. Um, it just connects the most to a patient-centered setting, but there's still basic science and translational research that make the connection making significant impacts towards the development of clinical research. Translational research is literally um, taking what you learn from basic science and translating it over to clinical research. So between those three categories of research, I'm sure that you've gained um, some exposure, some extent of exposure with one of the three. Um, and with that said, is there a specific one that you've developed a particular passion in, being a writer, being involved in the journal club and other activities? I favor clinical research over the three main categories because I really respect their organization of their trials. They call in real life people who have the symptoms they classify by age, progression of illness, and a lot of different requirements before they start the trial, which I think is really important because the results that you're looking for at you know, scientists, they can be very subtle and hard to detect even for very experienced people. So the organization really makes it more evident in the trends. Absolutely. And we've kind of gone through these activities. We've only gone through, I believe, three of them so far, being a writer and designer for the Hands-On Health magazine, um, being pretty involved with the BioCreate case competition, and also with the Pre-Med Scene Zone Journal Club. Those are just three of the many activities you've been involved in. You've even gone outside of STEM to focus on music, which you've gained a lot of ground and experience in. So we can definitely say with um, pretty good confidence that you've opened your interests and, um, and passions into a wide variety and pretty much developed um, a really good foundation, if not uh, even more than that, for those interests. So you've all done that as a high schooler. And from your perspective, I think it'd be pretty valuable um, to know how do you think high school can open up, whether it's in America, whether it's in Canada? I know that there are differences between the two systems, especially between the IB program and more traditional programs. Um, 
in general, though, what are your views on how high school can open up to more career oriented interests? Like I said, with your activities, you've almost created your own path to looking into these career interests. And I'm sure with um, also some of your experience in the IB program, it's supplemented that. But speaking to the general high school population, high school programs in general, what do you think can be done to further emphasize on a career later along the line? I think that to emphasize in more career-oriented learning, high schools should in invite more guest speakers, host more events, have seminars, just so that the high school students can get more exposure into the field that they're passionate about and learn what it takes to have a career. Absolutely. And there's a few systems high schools use. Um, this may or may not make difference for some people, but there's some people who might prefer a little shorter of a, of a, of a kind of um, learning journey, I guess you could say, when taking courses. Um, and others who prefer a little more long-term. So for high schools, for example, there are year-long courses. In college, there's some universities that do semester systems, some universities that do quarter systems. There's also high schools that might go with those systems too, going by semester, going by quarter. Um, it, there is really variance across the board. But have you seen any, from your own perspective as a high schooler, any advantages with going with either the year-long system, the semester system, the quarter system. Um, I'm not sure which one you've been involved in yourself being in the IB program at your own high school, but do you see one as being most optimal for learning, particular, particularly with the, the career-oriented interests um, that we discussed earlier with supporting those? I think that the, the quadmaster system is the most accessible. The tests, assignments, and projects, they're more spread out so that there's a lot more time for us to consider than pursuing what you're passionate about. The school tests tend to like stick to testing you almost every week. And they aren't testing you on how well you know the material did you understand. Can you apply it in the real world? But how well could you regurgitate the information in a short span of time? So after the test is over, you'll eventually forget it and then you'd have to relearn it. The quarter system was a lot easier because you could be devoted to one subject, go into depth about it for a significant amount of time. So even when eventually you did have to switch subjects, you could retain the information. Absolutely, definitely. And that's, that's a big um, com complaint and also hurdle that some students might have as to the general education system, how it's sometimes structured around regurgitating content rather than actually digesting it learning it, letting it um, take its time to really blossom into something that's stuck in the long-term memory or at least um, memorable and also something that can inspire interest later along the line for a, a lifelong career. So definitely some good insight there. We mentioned earlier about the essay competitions that you were involved in, but we just touched on it. So I wanna dive into a little more about what you did um, I'm sure there might be some people out there who are interested in getting themselves involved. It's really a great route to, uh, to, to really dive into your interests, especially as a writer. Um, and we've seen that interest reflected in how you're a writer for the Hands-On Health magazine. But just before we do begin into the specifics of it, what first of all launched you into getting involved in essay competitions? Sometimes with these interests or activities, 
people have a story behind it. So for you, what was that story? The story was I was a very big book reader when I was little. I loved to read. And then I started again to writing. And then when I was in middle school, the kind association came to our middle school with an essay competition for us, the importance of pet shelters. I entered it and I got an honorable mention. That's my first writing experience. And it grew from there to international and national level awards. Absolutely. And we see that you've been involved with quite a few. Um, also, along the way, you've had quite a few awards and distinctions. What was your first experience with an essay competition? I'm sure with the first experience of really anything um, as an activity, just getting yourself into a whole new interest with this, especially being a competition, it was new ground for you. So what was your first experience heading into an essay competition? How did it go? What did you take away from that experience? With my first experience, I took extra caution and to try to be organized because it's a professional writing competition. This would be judged from very high standards. So I basically, I took the rules that they gave us and the requirements and I made a checklist out of them. So I wouldn't get disqualified for any other reason. And then I would break down each paragraph to make sure I had all my points and my statements and my claims so I could refer to something while I write so I wouldn't just forget. And I made sure to read the previous entries that were winning and had won the award before so I could see what the judges were looking for in their, in their essays. Well, it seems like that organizational approach definitely um, came in handy because later along the line, you, you definitely showed success uh, what do you think was the main, if, if you could give one piece of advice, just concentrate it into one centralized um, main takeaway for these essay competitions, what would it be? Is it the organization behind it? Is it the passion behind it? Is it just sticking to it even as much of, as it might seem um, uh, not as hopeful? Um, if you could just give one piece of advice, what would it be? I'd say to stick with it, even if it doesn't seem hopeful, it is a process to get better at writing and every single failure will teach you something. Mm -hmm. if, even if I don't win a competition, I always make sure to email the judges and ask for feedback and see what went wrong so I don't make the same mistake the next time. Absolutely. And you've been involved with quite a few um, essay topics. So that, that runs the whole really nine yards from... Uh, the NASA scientists for a day competition with astrology to creative stories, um, to agriculture, ecology, really pretty diverse array, array of uh, subjects. Is there any reason behind that? Do you just like to go into um, uh, just essay competitions for the sake of looking for maybe new passions, new interests with these, with these subjects, like I mentioned, astrology, ecology, agriculture, creative stories, those are all um, of a really diverse array of subjects. So it sounds like it would be a great opportunity to learn a lot from them. Um, with that said, have you found any interesting things about each of those subjects while you were in those essay competitions? I definitely learned a lot from the essay competitions, more about the subjects that I originally knew, which is mainly my reason for picking them because as much as I was interested in STEM, I really want to expand my knowledge in the different areas. So it'll make it easier for me to pick my career choice later on. Absolutely. And moving off of what we mentioned with your science activities, 
the awards and distinctions you've had from those essay competitions. Another big thing for you in terms of passion is music. Um, and over the past years, there's been a pretty quick progression in terms of your abilities. Can you take us through, first of all, how that sparked? What got you interested in music? I saw it on TV of this woman playing piano so fast and so brilliantly, I wanted to know how to do that. So I got my first lesson when I was in grade nine. It was shortly before the pandemic started. And I was, it was a very humbling experience because I was playing at the same level that little six-year-olds do. But pandemic gave me time and I practiced every single day. So currently I am a level seven in piano and I have won a few distinctions, um, bronze medal in the Ottawa Piano Festival and bronze standard in the National Canadian Music Week. On a larger scope, thank you, by the way, for that, that great um, introduction to your, your passion with music, but on a larger scope, there are so many things going on in terms of your experiences, activities, awards, distinctions, um, your rehearsals and so on for music that I'm sure there might be the hurdle of how do I even structure my time? How do I split up these numerous activities that I'm doing all at once um, and make the most use of my time? Um, and this is all in 11th grade. You still have high school um, alongside that. So um, that's an everyday thing really uh, while you're pursuing all of these extracurriculars. Have you faced that, that hurdle? Has it not really come up? Um, and if it has come up, how have you dealt with it? I have faced the hurdle of organization. I do have to juggle a lot of activities along with my schoolwork. So I like to use my calendar a lot. I'll, I'll put in the time slots for my meetings and what time should I focus on my homework. So this way I won't get overwhelmed. And if I did get overwhelmed, I would like notify my teachers or and tell them I'm struggling and I need a few extensions. Definitely. And alongside that, some other people might have the experience of, you know, I, I had so much time in, I only have so much time in one day, there's only 24 hours. Um, so I had to sacrifice this activity for that, or I had to sac make some sacrifices, whether it be activities, whether it be um, relations with other people, uh, there has to be some sacrifice made. So in your case, were there any pursuits that you had to sacrifice? Sometimes that might be, for example, someone having to decide between um, focusing more on their studies versus focusing more on, let's say, music or uh, another similar case like that. For yourself, are there any things that you had to sacrifice? Do you have any, um, if you could maybe turn back time, would you have changed things a bit? What are your thoughts on that? If I could turn back time, I definitely would have started earlier when the workload wasn't as intense as it is now. I could have accomplished a lot more, but other than that, I wouldn't change anything. This whole year has really taught me to be, keep organized and structure my timetable so I can pursue all my passions equally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, so um, we definitely have a lot of things that we we wish we could improve and. Um, I can definitely say the same for myself. So in terms of your, your career later on, how have these experiences, just all in all, from things like that could be taken as a hobby, like music, to things that are um, potential careers with STEM, how have they contributed to your career um, ambitions, your career pursuits? I know that you're interested in medicine, 
So how have they affected your, your prospects of, of becoming a doctor or becoming another um, uh, professional later on? My experiences have really fortified my ambition to be a doctor. A doctor is a very demanding type of profession and needs a very wide range of skill sets to be able to handle patients. And all the experiences have gifted me a new type of skill to add on to my repertoire. Definitely. Speaking of that, one of the things that we have going on and ha have gained popularity during the pandemic are virtual shouting programs, virtual shouting sessions where people can gain that exposure, whether you're a high school student, maybe even middle school, um, all the way up to seniors in, 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 in their undergraduate years and maybe even some medical students who uh, take some time to join in on virtual shouting sessions. So at the pre-med scene, there were um, quite a few virtual shouting sessions over the past year through the pandemic. What was your experience with using that as a resource to facilitate your learning in a possible career later on as a doctor? Virtual shadowings really let me have a bigger look into what doctors do in their day, what skills they need to have, and what type of cases they need to, to get. Was there a particular session that really caught your interest? Because between these sessions from one to another, um, there's really a wide range of specialties and experiences. Each speaker has their own story to tell, their own background. One might be involved in healthcare administration, another might be involved in healthcare leadership, admissions, um, and then you have the whole, the whole um, array of specialties within that, from radiology to dermatology, surgery, and so on. Between all of those sessions and all of those speakers, was there a particular session that was focused on something that really caught your interest? I really love the virtual shadowing experience with Dr. Barbara Hamilton in Intro to Radiology. She really stressed the importance of the shape and position of the nerves and blood vessels, which are much more important than a broken bone, for example, more common in more common injuries that are more stressed in our society. Absolutely. It was definitely an insightful session. Um, and being even as a college student, sometimes even as a med student, early on in, in that journey as a doctor, those um, new exposures are definitely great, great um, memories uh, later on. So it's definitely impactful um, seeing that and also actually seeing what it is like to be a doctor. Definitely a useful resource. Um, and I wanna zoom out before we do wrap up with our session. The real takeaway, I already mentioned this, I think from the very start, from what your story has been is the resilience and perseverance even in a trying time like this with the pandemic. A lot of people have found it so much more difficult to get really any experience across the board um, in activities, extracurriculars. Um, sometimes even it's hard to explore your hobbies and passions with the pandemic because of um, limited um, resources, limited uh, networking that the pandemic has all restricted all of us with. So. With your case though, it seems like you took that to your advantage. Um, there was an online, online setting that was popularized with the pandemic, uh, like I mentioned with virtual shouting programs, um, the journal club at the pre-med scene, it's also a, a virtual, virtually held. So 
those new, the new emergence of those kind of programs allowed for almost a different dimension of, of experiences. And you caught on to that, use that to your uh, advantage. And from there, um, the sky was the limit. So how do you think the online setting that has expanded since the pandemic started has played to your advantage with finding meaningful and impactful activities? Do you think it was the expansion of um, programs? Was it your own drive to try to go through it? Did you find it any more um, easier to, to look into experiences? What are your comments and thoughts on that in general? In relation to the pandemic, there was more time to search online to find what you liked and what you didn't like. I had the opportunity to join more clubs and take some more courses and find meaningful activities. Definitely new venues opened with being online. Online mentorships weren't that widely known, but ever since the pandemic, they, ha they have been more inclusive and I had the chance to work with some incredible mentors. The Orleans Star Youth Award gave me an award because of my accomplishments in only one year and that would not have been possible if not for the time given by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is inspirational to see a story, hear a story like that and um, see how you use it to your advantage. Uh, it really is not necessarily the case for everyone because sometimes with things like clinical experience, clinical exposure, it's hard to adapt, um, but it's definitely inspirational to see a driven individual just go for it, and especially in your position with high school, you're, you're definitely ahead of the game. Um, so I guess to wrap up, what are some tips that you have for students who are looking to engage further in activities, even during the pandemic? There's the surge going on right now with the Omicron variant, um, and we really don't know how long this might continue. So adapting to it is the best that we can do at the moment. Um, and knowing a few tips, especially from a an individual like you who has um, taken this to your advantage, had experience with it over the past now two years of the pandemic, um, that would be useful to hear. What are some tips that you have, some key takeaways that you uh, have as advice for students who are listening in? I'd say take more time online to really research about the activity that you wanna pursue. See if they do have virtual options. Uh, networking is very important because you can find opportunities in other people's profile that you can jump off of, and that will really start your career. People are more than happy to connect and collaborate with you. Definitely. There's a lot of helping hands out there, and just being able to find that helping hand that you need that matches your interests um, and is willing to go the extra mile to uh, lend a helping hand, help you out. Um, even even during these trying times, I think, just like you mentioned, that's that's the that's the secret there. Are there any last things that you'd like to add? Uh, LinkedIn, maybe any ways that people could get in contact with you if they are interested in your past experiences, if they'd like to ask questions um, that haven't been addressed on this podcast episode here uh, to you, given your experiences. Anything to add there? If you ever want to get in touch with me, I have a LinkedIn page under my name. So please message me on there, I will respond. And especially my email, I'm always active on my email and I tend to respond within an hour or a day. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Zakia, for taking some time to join us today. Um, it really was an inspirational story hearing from you, your experiences, how you've really taken this 
what would seem to be uh, um, an unfortunate situation with how everything has transitioned online and the whole landscape of trying to get experiences, whether it be as a pre-med or really as any student has totally changed. The dynamics have totally shifted, um, yet you've adapted to that pretty well. Um, and we're excited to see where you venture on later in, in your career. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. And also thank you to our audience for listening in to another episode of Setting the Scene. We're gonna be having more episodes coming out soon um, on a, a bi-weekly basis, every Friday, every other Friday. Um, so that's really all. We hope to have you there. Thank you so much, Sekia. And um, we hope everyone listening in has enjoyed today's episode. Bye.